you can have this heart that really cares about people and and it and it goes so far and then you can care about people so much and then you can forget that you're also a person mm. you know and so this there's this part of that people is you mm. you know and um it's just so beautiful to 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 be recognized for what I keep saying is about I'm going to keep connecting to me and to you. I'm going to keep championing you and I'm going to keep celebrating you. Welcome to the With Sayada podcast, brought to you by the Centre for Belonging and Understanding the podcast that brings to you stories of lived experience that you might not otherwise encounter. This is a podcast that encourages you to cultivate belonging and understand others. I'm your host, author and coach Sayed Azadi, and every episode I'll be asking a new guest to share their story. British lyric soprano Nadine Benjamin is a charismatic and versatile artist who is in increasing demand on both the operatic stage and the concert platform. She is also developing great renown as an exponent of song, in particular Verdi, Strauss, Berg and contemporary American song. From 2018 to 2020, Nadine was an English national opera Harewood artist and made her debut with the company as Clara in Porgy and Best, followed by Musetta in La Boheme and Lara in Louisa Miller. Nadine made her Royal Opera House debut in October 2020 as a soprano soloist and she was awarded an MBE in 2021 for services to opera. Nadine is also a certified high performance coach. So today my guest is Nadine Benjamin and I'm actually not sure what is more outrageous, right? The fact that we had to go all the way to the United States to meet <laughs> and meet unexpectedly because Nadine lives in the southeast of the of England or that she got an MBE for being a soprano and for her services for creative entrepreneur empowerment creative empowerment yeah. right yeah 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 and yeah. I'm just like like Nadine when I first met you I just thought where have you been like why have we not <laughs> discovered each other before and what a gift you are in my life so welcome Nadine oh thank you it's so wonderful to be here with you and like yourself I did feel this energetic connection between you and I when we first met and um, I realized that the miracle was were going to happen and I've always had a, a really deep respect for you Sadie, so it's really great for me to be here with you Oh, well, it goes both ways. So thank you for, for being a guest here because you've got such an amazing story and uh, and so many different things that you do. And, and my first question actually is, what was it that led you to train as a high performance coach? So um, I am one of our fellow high performance coaches, Darren Abrahams. Uh, we went and sat in Experts Academy. And um, we were sitting in Experts Academy and, you know, that really changed my life, Experts Academy. Um, and I was sitting there and it was the only time that Brendan's been to London. So, so we were both at that event, but we oh. didn't meet. No! Honestly, like that was my first Brendan event. And I always think, had it not been for that, would I ever have had the... The, the guts or the inclination to go into other Brendan events in the US I really don't know yeah I mean I have to I have to say I agree I mean I'd already um gone to loads of Tony Robbins stuff but there was something about that experts academy there was a um at the end of the event there was a meditation and a vision in that he did I don't know what it was about that I, I mean I have I wish he would just give us that blooming meditation because it it changed my life I mean I 
I I moved I moved cities after that. I bought a house after that. I got divorced after that. I, I mean, like literally, it was I changed career after that. That Experts Academy in 2014 completely upturned my life. Isn't that so funny? Because even as you're describing it, like you haven't said anything about the words that he used or anything. Literally, you took me back to that moment and I was ready to shut my eyes and go there because that thing was just like, it was off the charts. It was off the charts. I've never heard him do it again, ever. Yeah, and, and I've, I've, I think, you know, we've, we've experienced similar things, but I don't think for me personally it's ever been at that level. And I wonder if some of that is because the first time you do something, it's always magical. Yeah. But then there was just something quite intimate as well because that event only had 400 people. Yes. And, you know, when we look at the trajectory and the scale that Brendan is working to now, I'm just like, I'm so happy that I found him when I did in London as well. Yeah. And actually, it wasn't 2014, was it? It was 2013 or 2012, one of the two anyway. But yeah, but it just, you know, it's yeah, it just yeah, it changed my life. And 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 then I just thought, well, I really believe in the structured part of his work. So I thought because it's so structured, and that's great for me because I'm neurodiverse, yeah. Um, I hadn't realised that at the time why his work spoke to me so much. But the level of what I call divine order and organisation was so fantastic mm. that I was able to then commit to the process of high performance with an understanding where I won every time. Mm, I love that. And for those um, of the listeners that don't know, what is neurodiverse? What does that mean? So neurodiversity is um, things like ADHD or um, uh, dyspraxia or dyslexia. Mine is dyspraxia and dyspraxia affects my uh, executive functions, which is all around um, the way I think, the way words come out of my mouth, um, my movement, some of my muscle development, um, and um, also planning, um, how I um, uh, accept information. I mean, I always think that my, my information is a bit like a matrix when it's coming to me. I think outside of myself rather than inside of myself. So I will talk outside so I can hear it back, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's um, just a very different way of seeing the world, really. Mm. And and how have you used that or how is it kind of working in terms of the work that you do as a coach, but also as a singer? So in terms of the work that I do as a coach, uh, when I'm when I have clients, I let them know that I'm going to type the whole way through their um, their session. Mm. So I'm on a computer typing, tapping away. What that does is it focuses my brain to such a fine tuning that I can pick up every frequency, every pattern. My intuition gets heightened and then I can hear what they think they're saying but are not really saying and I mm. catch it straight away. So there's a real space of um, uh, complete dedication to them in that space and in that time that I have with them and I'm, I'm not interrupted at all. The second benefit of that is that they get a, a full transcription of what they've said because <laughs> I've just spent my whole time doing that. And in singing, I suppose my uh, diversity has helped me just show up as I am. So um, what I've done recently is I've been sending uh, people prior to working with me what I call a disability in practice uh, document which tells them all about me and how I work and the best ways to work with me. And, they can, and this is how they can engage, engage with me if they'd like to. Um, so it's about showing up. It's allowed me to fully show up as me um, and not apologise for it. And I, and I think that, that this piece about being able to show up as, you know, I, I describe it as showing up 100%. So you are your full and complete you. Mm. It's really, really important because so many people aren't doing that at the moment. And and even if like, you know, 1% of you is held back, there's there's just 
something that makes that environment a bit challenging for you and the acknowledgement of that before you even get into that space is really powerful. And so a, a lot of people in my world um, where I'm working in facilitation speak about psychological safety and, you know, various other things. But it sounds to me as if what you've done by sending that that paper on disability in practice is actually be very clear about how others can work with you and you've created psychological safety for yourself before you even get there. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're we're talking about in terms of showing up in, in the times that we've been, we have had and are still having to some degree is quite a delicate um, matter, really. Um, however, what I've realised in that is that this whole... I've gone it I've taken it to an another space I suppose because it's about not settling mm. you know and I think um we spend a lot of our lives or I know I have done in my lifetime spent a lot of times settling for what society thinks is right for me or what my parents thought was right for me or what my peers thought would make me look good or what, what you know just all these boxes that we kind of set traps I feel like they're like traps that we set for ourselves and um and what I've stopped doing is settling I've I've started to say even if it means that I'm not going to earn the money that I'd like to earn or if it, even if it means I'm going to lose a friendship or even if it means that um you know uh, there's a likelihood of me possibly being misunderstood I'm like I'm not settling anymore I'm 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 showing up to the best of my ability with my full self and and that includes in love as well, you know. Mm. Um, you know, people are, are, are so willing to hold on to something even though it's not right and keep trying to fix and manoeuvre and, you know, actually just let go, mm. reset, you know, and heal and restart and just find a new way, a new language to express with someone else. You'll have another frequency with someone else and then fully be in love with that. Don't spend your whole time grieving and saying this is, you know, like like step into, okay, what did I learn from that? What can mm. be different? You know, stop settling. I just, it's massive for me at the moment, that. I have to tell you that this piece on settling is so unexpected for me. But I, and I don't know if you've read my book, Results, the Art and Science of Getting It Done. Not yet. Right. It's on my, it is on my reading list. You know, when you read it and you go into the first chapter, you're just going to be like, <gasps> because that piece is all about settling. And I describe the problem of settling. And I speak about um, once we were, I think we were traveling to Sundance for a mastermind with Brendan or something. And we stopped because I said in a, in a, gosh, we stopped in one of these kind of like retail mall things. And I said to my son, okay, we'll go. And we've got one hour or an hour and a half. And, you know, he wanted trainers. And I won't unpack the whole thing, but basically he picked something up, which I knew he didn't want. And he was it was that conversation that we then had about, do you settle for this pair of trainers because it's right in front of you and it's convenient or do you wait until you get what you want? Mm. And it's just such a simple thing, but it hopefully it helps to unpack this challenge of settling, because when we do settle, I think we give away a little piece of our soul. Yes, yes, yes. Know, and it's so problematic. I mean, it just, it disturbs me in a way that I think um, is just, you know, it's it's undescribable. And what you were saying about n not settling, I think is just, it's fire. It really is. And so many people need to hear that message because I think if anything, one of the biggest lessons for me from the pandemic has been, you know, you, you need to work out what your priorities are, mm. you know, and if that means that big things in your life have got to change, then so be it. Because we don't know how much of that time we've got left here, right? Mm, mm. It's really, yeah, I just I just feel that we're in a time where we, you know, I've watched this program a lot about minimalism, mm. you know, and, you know, that's not, that's not just the stuff around us, it's the stuff in us. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, how can we minimise some of that, some of that, you know, 
junk, I suppose, because some of it is junk and some of it is precious and some of it is needing to be held on to. But I think there's a direct mirror to that kind of um, that unwrapping and that serving up in a different way and repurposing in a different way that we don't need to keep holding on to and keep repeating. You know, um, I'm a great believer in, you know, once you learn that you have a pattern, you know, to look at the pattern and move away from it and recreate a new pattern that serves you better, you know. And, um, yeah, it's, it, I just feel, I feel excited. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm challenged at the moment. I'm, I'm not somebody who, um, who is um, looking at life at the moment and saying, um, I've got it all sussed because I'm going through what I call a transcendence. I've mm. had a, I've had many transformations, you know, but um, I'm moving into another phase of my life, and um, and I feel like this is a transcendence. Transcendence, and I'm being called on more from my metaphysical and my intuitive self to to align with the universal laws and to align with the um, the the energetic force. Um, that is naturally there, you know, mm. and uh, and that's asking a lot of me because it's it's uh, it's it's about um, expansion, mm. and that expansion can feel, you know, it's it's like it's like the it's like the far opposite of settling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Surrendering yourself to whatever is going to come in some ways is actually just as hard as the realization um, of making the decision that you're not going to settle. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and I, I keep getting these butterflies in my, in my stomach, you know, I'm feeling a great wealth of love and a great wealth of happiness and a great wealth of excitement. And at the same time, I'm looking at um, some of the things that I have to walk through and I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, so this is another level of challenge. And so it's almost like I keep getting this 10 step miracle and then 10 step challenge and they're going at the same time. And, mm-hmm. and, and what I'm learning is, who is my character within that? How am I staying still? How am I still choosing that positive mindset? How am I still choosing to use the tools that I know work for me? How am I still choosing to let someone know, you know, that I need a bit of a hand today? Or And how am I holding the Nadine? How am I going, what do you need, Nadine? Are you okay? And you know, using some kind of really lovely, comforting and soothing body language for myself to let me know that I've got her and I've got, I'm holding myself. You know, I think we can go around life looking for people to hold us, but actually we have that strength to hold ourselves. There are tools to hold ourselves and to keep ourselves in alignment. Mm. Um, And I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm living into that at the moment. I mean, it sounds as if you're just on this incredible journey of kind of transformation in some ways. And and I'd love to know, as you've been going through this, what have been, you know, maybe the top one, two, three lessons that you've had that you can share with people that are listening in who are going through some form of of a challenge or not knowing and, you know, it's just they're in that place of real tension and discomfort the body knows one of them is the body knows like if you are experiencing tension in situations with a person with your work with with a a piece of paper even like it's not the right place for you you know listen to that listen to that but don't just listen and react listen and respond ask empowering questions Ask the question of, you know, what are you wishing me to hear? Mm. What am I denying of myself right now? You know, or is there a door that needs to open in another way than the one that I, than the way that I think it needs to open? Has somebody walked through Mm. that door before me and could I go and speak to them? So there's this tension, this thing around tension is like, yeah, it's like, yeah, be mindful of that. Be mindful of of whose presence tension happens and pay attention to that tension in that moment, mm. you know. The second thing, I suppose, um, for me would be um, 
people always say treat others how you would like them to treat you. But I think what I'm really beginning to understand is that you need to treat yourself like you treat others. Gosh, that is so good. <laughs> like, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that is so good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was a quite a bombshell for me because, because I, you know, when we go into this work in of what I call philanthropy and spiritual calling and, you know, my life is a vocation. It's not, I, d- I don't have a job. I have, I have a lifestyle that I've chosen, but I also have a vocation that has chosen me. So I'm, I'm in that space where I recognize that I'm, I'm, my heart is just love. Like it, mm-hmm. it is that I, I'm blessed with that. I've been gifted with that. And I, I and I can be so outpouring to everybody and be, you know, really gentle and compassionate and and tender with everybody. And, you know, what I've learned and what I've been working on in the last couple of years is, you know, all that attention that I place on. And we're coming back to attention again, you know, all that attention that I place on others is the same attention that I must place on myself first. So people say you've got to love yourself first. It's not about love. It's not necessarily about what I would perceive as loving yourself first. It's about that self-discipline. And we all know that self-discipline is self-care, you know, and it's also self-love, you know, because if we have that wealth of kindness, tenderness, thoughtfulness, compassion, embrace, you know, asking ourselves what we need like just putting your hand on your heart and going what do you need baby what do you need today Mm. you know how can I show up for you do you want a Mm. break you know the same questions that we'd ask our best friend we Mm. are our best friends first Mm. you know so um so yeah that would be the my kind of second thing and then and then my third thing would be um is I suppose more around just trusting your intuition rather than the stereotype. And what do I mean by that? You know, I know I'm dyspraxic, so I know I'm going to use a word in a way that maybe, you know, what sometimes I can call moguls wouldn't use it. But, um, but you know, trusting that um, that what you're, what's being downloaded to you, what's, what you're hearing for yourself is real for you. And not necessarily what society's perception of that is, you know, mm. and, and, and to lean into that more, to lean into your own frequency, your own, your own intuitive lead um, and, 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 and not be called to what a perception that has been built for you since we were kids, mm. you know, or what other people would call a paradigm. Maybe that's a better word. You know, people would, other people would call a paradigm you know, you know, choose the paradigms that you wish to, to live in, um, and play close again, attention to what that paradigm is telling you and then take action, immediate action, Mm. you know, do one thing that moves you away from or towards the thing that actually is going to change your life for the better. Life is for you. It doesn't happen to you. Mm, gosh there's so much like you know wisdom in everything that you've shared and I think the the one if 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 I was to encourage everyone to take one thing away from that it is that piece about really treating yourself in the same way that you want to treat others because I think that there is something about that that we just don't do and in a way I mean I know for me personally I I can be very compassionate and caring towards other people, but see that piece on self-compassion, it's been the hardest thing for me to learn. And I really had to kind of work out how to do that, Um, particularly because of the pandemic and just knowing that you're just doing so much where you're giving to everybody else. Well, who's giving to you? And even though their people are, no one's going to do that for you in the same way that you do it for yourself. Mm, yeah absolutely I mean you know a case in point just recently you know um there's the kind of flip side to that as well Saida it's 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 that thing where when you know better you actually do do better Mm. 
Mm. Yeah. So th- there can be times when we're in situations. So this is the only time where I think that there is a caveat around this. Um, and I'm having to live into that a little bit at the moment. So I'm, I'm speaking from a place of knowing rather than just a place of saying. But um, there are times when you are in um, um, a space where two people don't see the same, don't see the same picture. Mm. But you understand that later down the line, the picture would be made very different or could be solved better if you took an immediate response to that picture now that Mm. they don't understand. Mm. And because you know with your experience as high performance coaches, as therapists, as you know, with our expansion, because we know that even though we are going to, it's going to feel less compassionate to us because we're the ones having to uh, make um, make a challenge for ourselves, another challenge in doing that action, you know, um, we know in the long run it's a better payoff because actually staying in that situation will only make things worse. Mm. And when they make things worse, what is now only, say, a, a centimetre will be 20 centimetres later down the line and then will be too hard to come back from and too hard to unravel. Mm. so it's also seeing that for picture for for others or for a situation sometimes that does mean that we have to take a consequence that doesn't look like compassion there and then but is in the long run Mm. I I completely resonate with what you're saying sometimes making that decision is actually the hardest thing that you can do but it's also the best thing yeah so good for you that that you're able to see that and lean into that yeah because they say that doing the next right thing sometimes doesn't feel like the right thing <laughs> yeah 100% <laughs> really you know oh. I'd love to um kind of take a little bit of a turn now if yeah. I may and to ask you about some of the work that you do in opera mm-hmm. and kind of explore what is the best role that you've ever had and why oh my gosh um I mean I don't think there is a case of um a best role um because I think I sing kind of I sing a lot of things but I mainly sing well three composers and they are um Verdi Strauss and Puccini and the reason why I sing them well is because my voice understands what to do and that's for me again is an energetic thing um my voice just loves being in those spaces I don't have to think about why my voice is going there it just does Mm. I don't think how to reach a high note it just goes there you know so I feel like a lot of that work has been written for me and there was a conversation that came up on Facebook the other day and it was like, you know, about making new work and, you know, that we've got all these composers that, you know, are non-diverse and, you know, and and all the rest of it. Um, and they're now looking into new work and making new, new things. And I'm like, I, my whole life has been about making new things in, 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 in work, in music. You know, because that was the only way I could express myself. I didn't get this choice of whether I studied music and what it looked like and, you know, and, you know, and learning how these composers and looking at the Italian language. And so for me, it's the opposite, actually. I I now want to live in traditional opera because I'm finding a space, I'm finding a freedom in there for myself. It's like a language that I didn't know before. It's exciting. I'm discovering. And, you know, and so that world for me now and... My new challenge is, uh, is, is like uh, amalgamating the, the coaching world and my singing world together in these traditional pieces because, because these stories are feelings, you know, mm. and no matter which story we're in, the feelings are the same. We all get sad. We all get angry. We all feel love. We all feel passion. We all laugh. You know, there are these feelings are all the same. And then I just look at how these stories relate to where we are today 
And the magic of that for me, and then to know that my voice loves singing and being in that work, is a dream come true for me. And I used to feel guilty because everybody's saying that, you know, we need to walk away from these traditional pieces. But actually, this is made for me. This is how I tell my story. This is how I heal best with my voice. This is how I'm serving. Mm. And um, I understand that now. And um, we all have our, have to choose our lane. And um, I'm in my lane, which has meant that I'm having to turn down work that people are shocked at. I'm like, why would you be turning that work down? Because mm. I don't want to settle. <laughs> it's not that I'm grateful. I'm not ungrateful. But it's because I know that when you put me in those positions, I will serve more people. Mm. I will connect like, you know, like a key in a golden lock and there's a door and it's and behind that door is this whole treasure or a sunken ship. And at the bottom of the sea in a sunken ship, there's just this chest that everybody's looking for. I found my chest. Wow. And I play from that chest, you know. Really I love important. That. Yeah, 100%. And I th- you, you bring up some really um, complex but also simple kind of ways of dealing with some of these things because I I hear you and I get that quite a lot in that you know why aren't you bidding for this why aren't you interested in this opportunity and things and I just think you know I I suppose the, the place that I go to is if I take this on am I able to use the skill set that I have and really benefit or can someone else do it while I continue doing the craziness that I do because if I take that on then actually some of the the things that I really want to lean into and where I have ambition that other people can't see that just gets left behind Mm. and I think that's what you're describing because you're saying you're very clear about the work that you want to do and how you can contribute not just to the arenas of coaching and opera Mm. but also do it in a way where you feel completely at one with the work that you're doing Mm. and if you don't do that and you take on something else I always think you know in that place, you, you're living life through somebody else's agenda. Mm. And it's about having clarity and thinking, this is my life. I only get one go and I'm going to do it the best that I can. Yeah, and it's been scary. I'm not saying that this has been really easy to get to this point. I have had to keep manoeuvring myself, dragging myself back, putting myself back on the road and like like a, like a kid, like a young kid, like by the scruff of the neck and going plonk back into that space I mean I've had to and I because it's about claiming it's about Mm. really claiming yourself claiming your heart claiming your 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 empowerment you know people keep saying knowledge is power I don't believe knowledge is in power I believe knowledge is empowerment because Mm. empowerment for me means embracing your power through mentorship through mentoring yourself to embrace the knowledge and the wisdom that you have and to keep to keep coming back to it, to keep finding it. You know, they talk about a teacher being in education. The teacher education is eliciting out of you what you already have in you, but you need to be that teacher for yourself as well. So that empowerment, that knowledge is empowerment, is keep finding that knowledge that's to help you embrace you know, the power that you have in yourself through mentoring yourself in that way. Mm. Really important. And if we were in the same room, I would be giving you a high five right now. Like, for <laughs> real. You know? Because this thing that you're sharing is so significant. And and what I love about this is that you can see that you're in flow as you speak. And so it's no surprise for me that you were given the MBE for creative empowerment. Right. Like it just seems so obvious. And I'm wondering, where was the delay? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was was such a dear honor for me. I mean, I that, you know, there are loads of or loads of others as well that could have had this, you know, had that as well. You know, and I and I'm truly deeply, deeply am touched. I'm getting a little bit upset, actually. um, Yeah, you know, though I am. But um, I really care about people. Mm. And, you know. And, you know, what we're going back to before is like, you know, you can have this heart that really cares about people and, and, it, and it goes so far. And then, 
you can care about people so much and then you can forget that you're also a person. Mm. You know, and so this there's this part of that people is you. Mm. You know, and um it's just so beautiful to 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 be recognized for what I keep saying is about I'm going to keep connecting to me and to you. I'm going to keep championing you and I'm going to keep celebrating you. Mm. And that is just so significant because many people speak about empowerment in different ways mm. and they forget this piece about also having to work on empowering themselves. Yes. Yeah, and, and I think that's what I really resonate with, with what you're sharing because mm. It works both ways, right? Like you can't be a person of service and just kind of like give and give and give without replenishing yourself. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you, the well gets dry. You know, we talk about, we hear these massive cases of burnout and, you know, breakdowns, nervous breakdowns and, you know, CPTSD and all of these other things that, that really do happen, you know, anxieties and nervous tics that happen you know, but they do happen, you know, because we can forget that we are included in the equation of the missions, of the purpose that we are setting for ourselves. We mm. are included in that. We are a part of that process. You know, a tree, you know, a seed, you know, grows and then it grows into a sapling that, that you know, eventually grows into a tree. But the seeds has also still from that point also needs to keep getting watered if we keep forgetting to water ourselves fill ourselves up to we're abundantly full to then it it doesn't matter how many people we serve and respond to because it's just happening anyway because we're so full you know it's so it's and I, I don't I really don't think this is just spoken about enough you know um there's a huge pressure on people to be of service, be of service, be of service. But, you know, it, it is about remembering that that service, that being of service is also being of service to you. Mm. And that can look like in any way for me, it's meditation. I, 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 I'm doing a lot of visioning at the moment. So I'm using the um, Jodie Spencer um, uh, magic walk, you know, for the kids. Mm. He, he, has, he has loads for adults, but sometimes I like to enter my childlike mind and really speak to that and he talks all about pretending and and then I get really excited oh what am I gonna pretend to be today and it's like I really feel that joy and that that that, that magic um happening and the miracle for me and it it energizes my body you know and mm. um and I want to be in touch you know that energy you know emotion is energy plus motion you know, which, which, which makes emotion. So energy mm -hmm. plus motion makes emotion. So as I'm doing my walking meditation and my walking visioning, I'm, I'm creating this new cellular level of vibration. And uh, that's really exciting for me. Mm, I love it. And, and what, what, one of the things that I was kind of like hearing as you were speaking about the, the seed and, and all of this energetic connection as well is, and I don't know if you've ever seen it, Joe, sorry, Judy Dench did an incredible program about trees mm -hmm. um, and a, oh, I'll, I'll send you a link to it and I'll also include it in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And then they, they speak about the research and they essentially say that all of the trees in the world are connected at root level underneath the crust of the earth. Oh, I like And you, you, I think you kind of can see where I'm going. So for me, it's like, well, at some level, as human beings, we are also energetically connected, regardless of whatever your belief system is and, and how you choose to, and all of that other stuff. There is that energetic connection. So my train of thought then says, if you are not able to fuel yourself so that you can be of service, there is also the impact that you're then actually having on everybody because of that energetic connection oh yes exactly exactly because what happens as you defuel somebody you you're also defueling somebody else Others. Yep. yeah you know and that's when we start talking about boundaries and you know and worst of all is when we start having triggers mm. this is where we get relationship breakdown 
because the triggers become so bad that you can't even be in each other's space mm. without this tension that we t- we're talking about, you know. And actually then that causes stress, it causes anxiety, it causes so many frictions as well. You forget how to talk to each other and you get to a place where you don't recognise who you are anymore. Mm. And coming back to self always and, and not from a self of me, 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 from a me to we. Mm. Knowing that as you're filling up, you're remembering the we and you're paying respect to the we. When, you, when you're in a relationship, when you're looking after yourself, you're also remembering that you're looking after that other person. Mm. And then that kind of takes me to the global us. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. The global oh. us. Yeah. You know, the global us and the global us. We all need each other right now. I mean, you know, um, some people don't like the word need, but there is an energetic need of feeding that does need to happen, you know, whether we like it or not. Um, And um, so and we do have human needs that I really have had to learn not to deny myself, you know, because of fear of embarrassment or shame or, you know, thinking, you know, I'm not tough enough or that's too weak or, you know, da 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 da, da or, or that's not very English, you know, not very, you know, stiff upper lip and all of that. No, actually, sometimes I need to say to someone, can you hug me? Mm. I need holding. Oh, let me tell you something really interesting about that because, um, you know, like when we, you know, I, I have two kids and, um, when I ask them to hug me, right, it's like, will you give me a hug? And, and what's going through their minds, and I never understood that until recently, mm. what's going through their minds is this hug is for me. Mm. And someone said to me, actually, when you ask for a hug from especially teenagers, because my kids are teenagers, mm. when you ask for a hug from them, say that the hug is for you. Mm. Because when you say that I need a hug rather than can I give you a hug? Mm. You're actually expressing the truth of the need. Yes. The hug is for you. Yes. Right. And and it just, for some reason, I what I read was that it said psychologically, it then makes it easier for them to give the hug, but also receive the hug. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. You excite me. I, I've, 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 I've found something very special in my life and it all happened with a hug. Go ahead. And how I knew that this person was really, really special was when I hugged them and, and they hugged me, we were hugging each other. This was, this for me was like fuel to my heart. Because I had been experiencing over the last kind of 10 years where every time somebody gave me a hug or I gave them a hug, that there was this like taking, giving, but this was the first time that I realized that we were both giving and receiving exactly at the same time. From that moment on, I knew my life with that person would never be the same again. Wow. Wow. And so I really hear you because what's happening when you don't say that you need it, we get this transference that goes on that what, 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 um, uh, one of my, um, people that I love, or what's her name? Oh, it's gone out of my head, but what she calls dirty water, you know, we're handing people a glass of dirty water because we're, we're entering into an exchange. Yeah. That is not clear. And, and it's not done intentionally. It's not because somebody's bad or they're meaning to do it, but we're entering into intention that is unclear. So the frequency gets a little bit like, you know. But when you're we... playing with the power dynamic as well, right? <laughs> because it's like, if me as the mum says to my child, I'm, I'm giving you a hug, you're asserting authority over them. Yes. Right? Whereas the minute it's like, I need a hug, you're actually demonstrating vulnerability. Yes. 
you know, but you're also giving the child an opportunity to say no. No, 100%. I don't have the capacity sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, and I think parenting is a really, is a really courageous, it's one of the most courageous steps you could take in life, is, which is why I've never done it, okay? <laughs> because, because I knew that I was the mother of the earth rather than mother of birth. I knew that. Mm. I knew that for myself. I, you know, I, I, I just hold people. But, you know, to take a small infant through that whole space is a huge responsibility and a very, and a mirroring of your own character and who you wish to be and how you wish to show up as we go back to show up every mm. day in the world and it's so beautiful that they have parents like you I, mm-hmm. I mean because who has this understanding because a lot of kids grow up with these exchanges of power that they then enforce on others and then when they don't receive them think it's not love because it's not the same frequency mm-hmm. it's a- um- yeah, it's interesting because I, I always thought that, you know, this training that I'm doing in coaching and high performance and all of these other, you know, numerous certifications I have was for me and for my clients. But there is also another way of articulating it and saying, actually, it's just as much for my kids, mm. you know, because I know that my parenting has changed as a result of some of the things that I'm aware of, you know, and the, and the challenge really in some ways is when you don't know, what do you do? You just kind of do the stuff that the rest of society does. Exactly. If we don't know the impact of hugging, because one thing that we haven't spoken about, but I'll include a link to it in the show notes mm. is just the concept of heart to heart hugging. Yes. Oh, and you know, the heart is the first organ to be born. It's born in the first 22 days. (coughs) The brain and the heart then split off. You know, so it is our real, it's our real space of contact, connection. Mm. Mm. And there's mirror neurons and all of that other stuff, but I'll include that in the show notes Mm. so that everyone can can get some inspiration from there. Mm. And, And talking of inspiration, I'd love to ask you, what makes you... Nadine Benjamin, MBE, <laughs> what makes you feel inspired? Love. Love. I love life. I love waking up in the morning, even on the hardest days when I feel, you know, I, you know, I can sometimes suffer from a, a low-level depression. Even on those mornings, I know that I love life. I know that there's an intrinsic thing in me that just wishes to live to the fullest. I just know it. And um, it makes me unstoppable. It makes me unfathomable sometimes. It makes me a pain in the ass sometimes. And, you know, it makes me not understood sometimes. But this life force, I have a life force in me that is so energetically on. You know, it's like a circuit that never breaks and I can't put that into words. I can't package it. I can't tell you, explain what it is. It just lives within me. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And what is something that you've said no to so that you can make way for like a, a complete 100% I'm all in, yes? Relationships that that, that I don't, don't work for me like Mm. relationships that um that you know where I know it's not good for either of us you know Mm. where and that's for me that's love that's love you know Mm. I've also said no as I said at the beginning you know I've said no to work that no longer fulfills me Mm. Um, I've also said um no to being fearful about everything you know um you know to I've also said no to not saying what's in my heart. You know, mm-hmm. like, so like I, I'll have a moment and I'll see someone and I'll think, oh my God, you're really beautiful. Or, you know, or, you know, what you just did there has just blown me away. I'm so moved by that. Or I'm so excited. Now I just say it. I'm not apologizing 
for having my heart tell the truth. So you, normally I would go, oh, you can't say that because it's not the done thing. And, oh, you, it's, it's not, absolutely, oh, God, you well, should say that. Yeah, I mean, I think that we easily complain, right? And I just, I, my view on life is that if I'm going to complain about something, then actually if I notice something that's awesome and should be recognised, mm-hmm. I'm just as much going to do that. Because if I, other, and if I don't do that, I have no right to complain or offer an improvement or, or, or something. Exactly. You know? So there's a balance in there, isn't there? Yeah, and well, you know, I talk, again, you know, like again, we all use different um, uh, words, but you know, I like to talk about harmony now because I think, um, in terms of balance, I think balance has been overused for me, just for mm. me, especially as a neurodiverse person, because we're never in balance. Like that's really difficult for us to understand what balance means when you're neurodiverse. It just doesn't happen. But what, but what I've really learned to understand is, is this harmony. And I, know, and, and I think it's because I'm a musician. So I know when I hear this harmony between all the instruments and all the voices, and I know that I can reflect that feeling of harmony within myself. Gosh, that's so powerful. That's that's how I feel. And then I know, ah, this is I'm in the right place again. That's how I that's how I do it. You know, I'm now going to adopt that word because what I heard when you were explaining that is like you can hear an orchestra. Yeah. And if one person is off, you hear them. And so all of a sudden it affects the harmony. And in terms of being a description for how we live our lives, yeah. If one little thing is off in your life, it affects everything else. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like music. It's like you, you're, it, it disconnects the music of yeah. your life. It just disconnects it. And, and we want to stay in connection to the music of our life, to our, to our song. To, we've all, we're all singing our own song. You know, we want to stay connected to that. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and it doesn't mean to say that, we don't have days that are discordant because we have discordant um, things in music as well. But let's make that intentional. Absolutely. Not, 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 not a default. Or accidental. Yeah, you mm. know, or accidental. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because, yeah, we all know that accidents can happen, you know. Mm. So, you know, it's really important to just recognise, you know, that, that, that that's... And, 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 and then if we look at it in that, as for me, in that gentle space, then we know what 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 colours we need to use, or what harmonies, or what structures we need to do to to gradually put it back into place. Mm. You know, gently put it back into place without forcing, or panicking, or you know, pushing. Mm. You know, absolutely. So as we wrap up, I have a few questions for you, if I may. And, yeah. and the first one is, what advice would your 16-year-old self give to you if they saw you now? What Oh. Um, oh, they would have, t- well, they would have told me to, um, to, uh, to have made as much money as I could. <laughs> Love that. From, from a young age and to get really money savvy, like really quickly. Mm. Yeah, really mu- money, like really money savvy um, because I had loads of opportunities to, to do it and I, and I didn't know what I was being offered because I didn't come from that language. And um, when when you're not when you don't come from that language, you don't realise what you're being offered at the time. And so it would have told me that as soon as you can, you know, um, wealth wealth isn't and I, wealth for me isn't about you know buying hot cars and homes and da 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 da. I realise that the underscore of me is very philanthropic. Mm. So in because of that, I have like things that I really want to donate to and live with and da da da. So I end up spending all my own money. But like, but if if I if I um if I'd had that training, which I'm now having, which is good. I've been working with a wealth coach called um uh, Sarah. Oh my god, she's gonna kill me. But she's called Sarah, the wealth coach. Anyway, um, I'm working with her at the moment. So we're realigning all of that 
Mm. So I can have a section that does that and I can really just give as much of that section as I want out because, yeah, you're not for love to be. But then the rest, again, you know, I've got to look after myself the way I'd like to look after others, you know, so I'm going to like have that bit that nourishes me and everything and then the practical side that does all the bills and and all the rest of it so we've been taking this journey for about the last um 18 months with her I've been taking you know and and just learning a new money language for myself setting up spreadsheets and doing things that I I I have been so afraid of because it just was never discussed in my in my youth it just you just didn't talk about it but I'm really unafraid to talk about money now because, you know, it's like it's there. And, you know, if I can express and help somebody else by the way that I've been helped and supported, then so be it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, um, I suppose a, a very brief reflection on that is kind of for me growing up in the 1970s, 1980s London, uh, our challenge was just so much more different than it is now. Yeah, actually, I, I say that and I say, you know, some of the, the challenges that people are facing in terms of, um, dare I say, systemic racism and education system and all of that stuff are, are very, very sadly and frustratingly still here. Mm. But we never had that space to have that conversation about money mm. because for me, the focus was so much on get your education because that's going to be the thing that gets you out. But I think part of that, is also a conversation on how do you manage money. That's what so, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So your 16-year-old self is very, very wise. <laughs> <laughs> but she did, yeah. I think she really would have loved, like, you know, somebody to have sat down with her, you know, and walk through bank accounts and mm. just walk through. Because I just started to earn all this money and then I just spent it. Like, you know, that's what I did, you know. So, you know, it would have been nice that, you know, well, you would invest here. And I mean, now we've got loads of books and stuff like that, but there are still people going through the gap. And I think this is what, you know, people saying, oh, it was better than it was in my day and it was better than it was in my day. But we still have those gaps and we have to keep being mindful of those gaps and catching the people within those gaps there are kids that still need that education 100 and so maybe if your money coach would like to do a with say at a podcast there's an invitation there for oh she would love it i'm gonna she would love it i'm gonna send her your way she would love it she would and she's a beautiful soul and she has children as well and she has a a whole a whole dream of how she wishes to set up her world and i think it would be really interesting for your listeners to hear that yeah i'd love to do that thank you Mm. and um what kind of what are you reading what are you listening to what are you watching at the moment So I'm doing physical intelligence at the moment. So I am on learning as a physical intelligence coach, this physical Mm. intelligence book by Claire Dale and Patricia Payton about how our body affects our minds um, and how we can use that in coaching. So I will be a physical intelligence coach soon as well. So another thing to add to my, to my belt of coaching. (laughs) I mean, I I mean, I've got so many coaching qualifications, you know, I mean, but we just get to this place where we just don't stop, do we? I know. I know. It's just like you just, this wealth of knowledge. Um, But I'm also writing uh, books as well. I've got a couple of books that I'm doing, you know, um you know in a different way and we'll see how they form and how they present themselves to the world but um I really feel it's time to start getting my message out there Mm. um and um apart from that I'm just really in this transition point of transcendence and just realigning my life so it's coming from a foundation of absolute solidarity with what I believe what I think how I live how I walk how I move I'm loving coaching. I I love, I'm loving coaching. I coach on Sundays. Um, I have a very uh, busy operatic career. So, um, but I love coaching. I have coaching Sundays where I, whoever wishes to see me on Sunday, I I take those clients through high performance. Um, I have a few groups and um, I have some, you know, higher, you know, paying clients, you know, in in, uh, one-to-ones. So it's, it's just, yeah, I feel able to really give my gift away and then I do some mentorship as well when when needed That's you know so um yeah it's it's uh it's uh it's an exciting time and I've made a new work all around my life um recently and of which we 
took people through a process called creative um, conscious co-creation and conscious co-construction. Not going to go into that now because it's, but there is going to be a, a like a handbook on that as well coming out. Mm-hmm. So if anyone wants to find out about you and about your work, where can they go? Well, they can find me at two places. They can, at the moment, they can find me at two places. I'm looking at consolidating those two places. One is nadinebenjamin.com and the other one is everybodycan.com. But I'm also on Instagram as Nadine Benjamin Soprano um, and also on Facebook as Nadine Benjamin. Brilliant. And I would thoroughly recommend that everyone goes and kind of like finds Nadine and gets as much benefit as they can from all of her awesomeness. One final question. What advice do you have for me? Yeah, there's a kind of uh, a moment, and you can choose to share this or not um, on your thing, but um, I'll give you a reading, that you've come to a point now where actually that there's a slowing down that needs to happen. So it's a slowing down um, to, to uh, because there's there's a tiny chink, and mm-hmm. so you need to slow down because this which wishes to come in just ever so tighter. And what will that what will that will do is kind of do a transcend, and it will be like you've struck oil, and then what will be what will happen then is um, you'll be doing a lot more speaking in like state like on a stage level. There'll be um, I, I can see loads of people, I can see loads of lights, but they will they will be quite. I don't know if um, um, uh, like political is the right word but not I don't mean political but they'll be quite um uh oh like for the world what is that oh I can't really think um like world peace like that kind of those kind of events those coherent things like you know um, I don't know this is just what's coming up for me right now um and to really honor honor that space um because there is a stillness in that that um, you haven't accessed, but that actually gives you. I love that. And I think what's really, yeah, really, that's what, that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's really powerful about what you've just shared is that that's, I can see that. So at the moment I'm working on my thesis, getting it finalized. And once I've done that, then that's a period, period of consolidation. And I'm in the process of setting up the Centre for Belonging and Understanding. Oh, and my God, you see? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it's like, it's so like, uh, like, I mean, I am psychic. But, you know, like, but, you know, it's just, you can see it there and then. Mm. Like, it's so, and there is this, I can't remember what it's called. Um, oh, why can't I remember what it's called? You know, where... You know, you have the human rights and then you have the global, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, there's something around that anyway. Yeah, it's, I'm so pleased that you said that because it sounds to me as if um, hopefully I'm on the right path, you know. And, and no, not hopefully because the road, the, road, the road to hopefully leads to nowhere, you know. But, yeah. so, so, but you are absolutely on the right path. Thank you. And I, and I feel like I'm doing the work that I was born to do. So... Right. It's, uh, it's and, and actually even these conversations and the whole concept of with Sayada actually is part of that work. But I didn't realise that when I was starting it. It's only now starting to unlock a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, so thank you so, so much for this. It's just been such a gift and a joy. And I hope that everyone is going to take... As soon as they finish listening, I hope they're all going to hop over to your website and just kind of like, you know, find out more about you and follow you and all of this other stuff. So, Nadine, thank you again. It's just so, so good to have you in my life. Oh, thank you. And thank you for your leadership. I mean, you are um, such 
you know, a woman of, of, of great empowerment. And, you know, and I, I love what I've noticed in you about your willingness to become more courageous in sharing your thoughts and your opinions and your message um, and standing up for a lot of the stuff that you're believing needs change and that you know that you could be a voice for. Um, so I'm really impressed by that. And I'm in the way on that. It's really encouraging. Thank you, Nadine. It means so much that you share that. It just, it does. I'm going to, I'm going to like lean into that for the rest of the day. So thank you. All right. Wonderful to speak with you and we will speak again very soon. And honestly, I can't wait. You see the next time we hug, that's not going to be like a 10 second moment. It's going to be a good <laughs> hug. <laughs> right. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. I'm so Absolutely. looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> Bye. Oh, thank you. Okay. If you enjoyed this episode of With Sayada, I'd appreciate it if you could rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people find out about the podcast and the work of the Centre for Belonging and Understanding.